This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Jonathan Armstrong and I have a potpourri of topics, including privacy and investigations, class actions in the United Kingdom, the SFO, and sleaze in Britain. Are you exasperated with modern life? Well, I'd invite you to take a listen to the podcast series Effing Argentina, where with the author of Effing Argentina, 11 Tales of Exasperation, Greg Breenberg, we explore topics of exasperation in modern life, from parent night to couples dinners to the subway to dog walkers on New York and everything in between. If you want to take a little bit different spin in the Compliance Podcast Network, check out Effing Argentina. Another great new podcast is Design Thinking and Compliance, where with my co-host Karsten Tams, we talk about using design thinking to improve your compliance program engagement. And now, Jonathan Armstrong. Do these pronouncements really mean anything new? Uh, Do we need to think about data privacy in a different way in light of what the DOJ and SEC have said? Or are these not really relevant uh, because GDPR and the UK data privacy requirements really stand alone and apart from uh, anything the United States might say? Yeah, I think they're definitely significant developments. If... um you know, if, for example, I look at GDPR, GDPR is much more enforced than it was when it first came in. And uh, as I sit here, we're over a billion, with a B, uh, euros worth of uh, fines currently. And in addition, we've had quite a lot of activity around uh, data protection, class actions as well. And I guess... Uh, class actions are maybe one of three things that we have to thank the US for importing into Europe, like KFC, McDonald's, milkshakes, and the music of John Denver, uh, not necessarily in that order. Um, but um, whenever you have an internal investigation, particularly in the organization, you have to look at Jonathan Marks has said at the data protection aspects. So we have had uh, class actions from uh, employees previously, and we will have those in the future. Just as an aside, I would mention that the UK Supreme Court have looked at this just this week in a case called Lloyd and Google, they've sort of not allowed US-style class actions, so opt-in, uh, uh, sorry, opt-out class actions, but they uh, still allow uh, opt-in class actions. And obviously, if there were an allegation that a an investigation had been conducted improperly, like we've had with the uh, some of the uh, uh, Russian-related litigation, 
the Guryeva case, for example, the case over the Trump dossier, then data protection and privacy concerns become front and center. So I, I guess there's always this challenge between you are going to offend a regulator somewhere, whether that be a US regulator, whether that or whether that be a European regulator, unless you can construct the investigation properly. And whereas the old equation pre-GDPR used to be, well, if I can't please both regulators, I'll please the US because the fines are higher in the US. That equation is different now under GDPR because we've got more significant fines and because there's more likelihood of an EU regulator being interested. Jonathan, we had a, uh, I believe, UK enforcement action, I think it was earlier this year, where an investigator was fined for, uh, I'm not sure if it was a negligent investigation or report, but the prevailing parties were able to demonstrate that they, uh, that the fine, Report was not correct. Does a uh, law firm who performs an internal investigation that becomes the basis of a DOJ or SEC enforcement action run that same risk in the United Kingdom if it's a UK citizen, or is that something that's available under GDPR as well? Yeah, um, it is under uh, GDPR, both um, in what you might call UK GDPR post-Brexit and in EU GDPR. So there are very various obligations that apply to uh, law firms and law firms' clients. And as you say, these are being litigated more. So there's an obligation for those uh, data protection geeks under GDPR Article 5.1a to process data uh, lawfully, fairly, and in a transparent manner. And in an internal investigation, oftentimes that will involve uh, witnesses in the investigation being given a sort of almost like a modified upjohn to tell them what's going to happen to their data. And you've got to be transparent with them and you've got to be fair. And if the data that you're collecting isn't uh, accurate, then that can potentially be a violation of uh, GDPR Article 5.1d. And we've had cases there, as I said, the the Trump dossier case, for example, where individuals said that a a law firm commissioned report said bad things about them, which and, and they were not given an opportunity, if you like, to correct the record. And they got uh, damages from the UK court as a result. The damages were reduced because of the, um, let's just say, uh, other circumstances surrounding these particular individuals. But nonetheless, they did recover damages. And equally, we've also had cases where a badly conducted internal investigation led to the collapse of a subsequent criminal trial with much embarrassment for the serious fraud office and I believe consequences with the SFO for the law firm involved. You know, obviously, you're trying to do these investigations by way of cooperation, 
part of the cooperation factor, if you like, is the law firm that you're using. And if the uh, regulators or prosecutors trust firm A less than firm B, then that might factor into what happens in the investigation and its eventual resolution. We'll be right back with more from Jonathan Armstrong after this message. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So, Jonathan, what about the um, <clears throat> comments by both the Department, I guess mainly from the Department of Justice, on wider cooperation with international uh, anti-corruption enforcement agencies, such as a serious fraud office in the United Kingdom, uh, there has always been perceived, at least, or announced, discussed, robust cooperation. Could that cooperation uh, even increase more for more international-focused investigations, including perhaps other uh, nations uh, beyond the United Kingdom as well? I, I think that's definitely uh, right. I think we uh, did have the situation maybe five years ago where there wasn't a great deal of international cooperation and it tended to be somewhat one-sided. You know, when I looked at the tables last, uh, US, UK, Canada uh, were, if you like, um, starting investigations and then dragging people along behind them. I think that has changed. We've seen over the last five years or so, for example, much more cooperation from the Swiss authorities, where traditionally it was perceived to be hard to get information out of Switzerland. And I think we have seen some major investigations, uh, Airbus being one, for example, that have been UK-led or UK-instigated with the US and uh, France and other authorities uh, coming along behind. We've also seen investigations uh, originated out of Brazil, for example, in the uh, um, Lava Jata uh, in, in investigations. So I think uh, uh, international investigation into bad things is more of a team sport than it was. And I think these uh, announcements will be seen by some as opening the door to more um, prosecutions and investigations and will be perceived as the US administration, the current US administration, being more interested in that sort of stuff than the prior administration was. And with the, uh, I'm not sure the, what the right term might be, imbroglio perhaps, uh, surrounding the uh, the current uh, serious fraud office, how do you think that will play to not only the bar in the United Kingdom, but really the 
the general public and maybe even the Labor Party having greater cooperation? Or is that something that really sets apart from other than people like you and I who uh, live and breathe this stuff? Well, without being party political, we have a leader of the Labour Party who truly understands the criminal justice system. That's in his blood. He was formerly the Director of Public Prosecutions and the DPP effectively is in charge of the CPS, the Crown Prosecution Service, and they have powers under the Bribery Act too. And indeed, the CPS brought bribery uh, prosecutions, um, you know, have brought them previously and they brought bought the first prosecutions under the Bribery Act. So we have a Labour Party leader who understands how to prosecute corruption. It would be an unkind comment to say that Boris Johnson understands corruption, uh, but he doesn't understand how to prosecute it. And I think as a result, uh, and I'm trying to be as politically neutral as I can, we have different perceptions on how big the issue is, and we have different perceptions on how to fix it. The SFO clearly does have its issues at the moment. We've discussed them on our podcasts in the past. Uh, I think they will reach some sort of resolution. We have terms for SFO directors. It may well be that the current director's term will not be renewed or she may not seek a renewal and probably we will have some uh, changes in that organization to be fair to her some of the issues were issues that she has inherited and whether or not the sfo there are calls again to merge the sfo with for example the cps or have some different structure remains to be seen. But as you say, this is likely to be something that gets political tension, particularly because corruption has a high focus at the moment. You know, we had a prime minister that had to schlep up to to an environmental summit to reassure people that his government was not corrupt. And it's unfortunate that you've got to take away the focus of that conference to sort of deny the rumours that are going around the room. That's not something that's good for the UK, and it's not something that's good for the global fight against corruption. I was reminded by one of the great lines of Richard Nixon, which is, I am not a crook, uh, but uh, if we could maybe bring that forward to 2021, I am not sleazy. I may be sleazy, but I am not corrupt. So uh, on that note, Jonathan, uh, thank you very much. My pleasure, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of Life with GDPR, and I hope you'll join Jonathan Armstrong and myself again on this podcast series. I hope you will check out the latest edition to the Compliance Podcast Network, Presidential Leadership Lessons for Today's Business Leader which has premiered on the Compliance Podcast Network. Also check out Design Thinking in Compliance, where Karsten Tams and myself continue our exploration of how you can use the social engineering tool of design thinking to increase the engagement and effectiveness of your compliance program. Life with GDPR is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.